Hi, I'm Scott Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the GAF Podcast. This podcast is for professionals who want to work in the advisory space. It's a series of conversations and essential frameworks to give better advice. It's the stuff they don't teach you at uni. It's where value sits. So buckle in, volume up, let's go. In this episode, I chat with valued client John Rocker about the type of work we do for him. But more importantly, John works for Lexus and he tells us about the Lexus promise and the Lexus experience. It's about all the one percenters he does for his client base, or as he calls them, the guests in his business. Well worth listening to. Welcome to the GAF podcast. My name's Scott Fitzpatrick. So excited I've got Johnny Rocker here. I mean, seriously, Johnny Rocker, it's a rock star name. John's one of my great clients, but he's also tied up with Lexus, and I'll get him to talk a bit about his background, but he's worked with Holden Ford, Mercedes, BMW. He's on the speaking circuit. He runs his own business. Welcome, Johnny Rockstar Rocker. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, mate. Great. So, John, rather than me sprout on about, just give us a little bit of your background so we can context this. Yeah, well, look, um, migrant uh, originally, uh, migrated from, uh, from originally from Spain. I was born in Cordoba. So uh, you'll have to forgive my uh, Spanish accent today, but uh, yeah, migrated a few years ago, 1973 to be exact, and um, yeah, went through schooling, migrated with my parents and my older sister, and uh, here we are. We're um, running a very large business, family still in Australia. We've got a lot of family in Spain as well. An interesting story. I won't go into too much yeah, detail on that. The full but, half uh, hour. So John, right at the moment, you know, you were nine years head of Lexus Australia and there's many lessons learned there. And I, yeah. you know, I'm really interested in, in dealing with or getting you to explain how you think about customer service or, you know, you don't call them customers, you call them guests in your own home. Yeah. So I want to really understand how Lexus thinks about dealing with these owners because quite often your client base is very similar to our client base. So I want to spend this session investigating all the one percenters, the yes. things that we do to attract engage, motivate our client base. And if there's some lessons there for us in your business. So maybe definitely. give us a, a bit of a background about what's your current business look like today? Yeah, well, there's definitely some synergies between our businesses, that's for sure. Yeah, look, the word guest for us is, is our word for, for a customer. We, we treat them. The philosophy is that you're going to treat, if you think about treating a customer as a guest in your own home, I think mentally you would think about that completely differently to what you do today. So the word guest is really a trigger for us to think, well, let's go beyond what we might do for a customer. And we'll talk about some of the one percenters. I've, I've got a very large business. We've got uh, two Toyota dealerships and two Lexus dealerships. We've got a very large parts business, um, service business. So it isn't just about horse trading or selling cars. And our main focus isn't so much about selling the car, it's also about the journey between the car we've just sold and the next car that we want to sell to the same guest. So, so important. And I think a lot of people in our industry sort of lose that along the way. Fantastic. Now, let's okay, well, let's, let's start with Lexus. Can you give mm. me the, you know, you did a fantastic presentation to our Fitzpatrick's private wealth group in Vietnam. 
and there's about 20 points there. I don't want you to reiterate all 20, but no. what are the top headline points when you think Lexus or what would you like us to think when we think Lexus? Well, for us, it's all about customer service, right? And customer service has evolved so much. Everybody believes, and I believe that most businesses do a fantastic job when it comes to customer service. If you rewind the tape to 10, even 20 years ago, it was very, very different. And I think businesses in general focus a lot on customer service. Lexus has always done that. They've won JD Power Awards for not just the quality of the product, but more importantly, the quality of what, how we treat our guests when we're transacting with the product. So we've got a system called the evolution process, which is what I presented to Fitzpatrick's when, when we did that in Vietnam. And it's really what we would regard as, the, if, if I had to give you a, a map, or if you like a playbook as to how you want to treat a customer well from the beginning, and that is the meet and greet right up until the day of delivery, which we call the wedding day, uh, that's, that's evolution. And it's a playbook that we really try and get everybody to follow from E to N. Because if you go E, T, N, you haven't really grasped or delivered the Lexus philosophy, as I like to call it as well. It's a way of thinking, but it's also a method to the madness. It's a process. Great. And so what are, the, what, what are some of the highlight points in there? How would you surprise and delight me? Okay. <laughs> Might be different for you. But uh, in our, in, with our guests, we, we like to use examples where when we talk about evolving customer service, think about this. What we, what we try and do is anticipate what the guests might want before we even meet them. So I was talking about everybody being good at customer service. It's really taken the next step. We're thinking about predictive customer service. There's a philosophy that we're working on now as a brand where we say, we've been expecting you. So one of the things that we do now is before you even meet us, press flesh and shake hands, if you're allowed to, uh, when you meet us in the dealership, we ask questions that you may not even be aware that we're asking. What? I'll meet you, you know, come in and have a coffee with me. It's not come in and have a look at the car. It's, uh, and by the way, you know, what is your coffee flavor? Is it uh, flat white? Is it soy milk? When you arrive, we've got a uh, letter at reception that says, welcome Scott Fitzpatrick, because we've made an appointment. So we know what time you'll get, you're getting there. When you arrive at reception to ask for me, your name's at reception. The dealership and the team is aware that you're arriving. So when they're looking at you, I've already described you to my team. Wow. So as you're walking around the dealership, oh, you must be Mr. Fitzpatrick, just from somebody that happens to be walking past. Yep. We're going to give you a soy flat white because we know that's what you like. Yep. So it's anticipating customer service. It's just asking those questions about what they might want, uh, just putting ourselves in the seat of the consumer or the guest. I love that. I really do love that. I'm just, you've got me thinking now about what we do, which is what I want this podcast to do. Which is, for those people listening, I want you to be thinking about what are the one percenters that you do. Our, our client base, which we said is matches yours, you know, high, mm. high net wealth, successful people. How do we surprise and delight them? And what are all the one percenters that we do? Now, I know you've got a couple of great stories for us. We might, we might just uh, run, run into, but you know, the sort of things that we like to do it, is I'm always on the lookout for how I can create experiences or mm. we're in the experiential economy for our clients. So yep. one of the things I did for you, my good friend, was I got you over to see our other great friend, Ross Walker, the cardiologist. Exactly, yeah. A, a good checkup on the heart. Great example. 
I'm hoping that did surprise and delight you because I think your result was better than mine. <laughs> it might have been on the day. We'd have to check it today. We actually, and, and look, here's a great example. That is a great example. Out of that introduction, Ross Walker has since bought two cars from me. There you go. Right? So, and that's how it works. And that's, you know, obviously the, the benefit of networking and introducing people, uh, which is what we do as well. Yeah, and we've got, you know, we do things like we had the car night with you guys where we unveiled that beautiful new car, but I, I couldn't fit my surfboard in it, so it was no good to me, <laughs> but I brought a bunch of clients along. Uh, we have the wine nights where we bring different wine people. So, you know, I'm always on the way. How do we create experiences outside of the, of the normal to yeah. get our peer group engaged and, and talking about us? Because in our industry or our profession, the peer group referral is the strongest referral you can get. Yeah, quite often absolutely. they trust or don't trust their other professionals around them a lot. It's the peer group referral, and I'm sure your business is based on, you know, client referrals. The way of no the doubt. way you operate. Look, the, the top ten percent of people in our industry, let alone my business, are all repeat business. They're just good networkers. They're people that keep in touch. It's, uh, you know, we don't focus just on selling somebody a car. To me, where the real focus is. And this is what separates the, you know, the best performers from the average performers is that relationship between the first car you've sold somebody, the relationship in between, and then the second car, third car, fourth car, or other family members, friends, and the story goes on. It's very, very important. And look, I think experiences are really good. But as you've said, our clients don't really need to be sold an experience. They can buy one themselves. Uh, they've had many, so it makes it even difficult, uh, more difficult for us to set that bar even higher. What is it that we do? And one of the things that people always think, if I've got to put an event on, what do I do to please my clientele? What is it they would like? And then what's it going to cost me? And what I've realized over the last, probably the last five years is that they're actually willing to contribute to that experience. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that you put on for free. Mm, interesting. Right. So a good one, a good example of that would be one of our partners is Luke Mangan, the chef. Now, a lot of people don't have access to Luke Mangan, but I can actually fill Luke Mangan's restaurant with just my guests. Yep. I can send a VIP list out as invites and say it's $350 a head, inclusive of everything, including, you know, a chat with Luke at the time. We've got the place to ourselves and we might have a limited of seat, seating capacity of, say, 100 guests. And we'll get 250 that want to go. Wow. wow. So the experiences don't have to be given for free. And, and if you think outside the square in that regard, you'll do a lot more events and you'll do them better for this type of uh, guest as well or clientele. Perfect. I love that. Let's move back onto Lexus again quickly. How do you think about women who are quite often the decision makers? Yeah, 95%. 95% is our statistic. Well, so the female influence, whether the, whether the female is purchasing the vehicle or not, uh, the decision that's made often not at the dealership at the time uh, is influenced 95% by the female. Also, you know, in the past, many businesses make the mistake that the female is there to accompany the male. You know, uh, that's not the case. Uh, I can tell you, when my, I learned this a long, long time ago. I'll share a quick story. I had a customer that wanted to test drive a $384,000 Mercedes-Benz, which was in the showroom. And um, male and female walk in. And um, my salesperson, we moved half the showroom to get this car out, right? These people were serious and we knew they were a buyer. Long story short, he's gone off for a drive. The female is sitting at the cafe. 
I happen to walk past and ask her, did you like, do you like the car? Why you, why aren't you on the test drive? And she looked at me and she said, that's a very good question, John. Why aren't I on the test drive? I said, the car's for you, isn't it? She says, yes. Uh, what's your husband do? He's a fireman. Right. So she's the solicitor barrister yep. sitting in the lounge being ignored by the salesperson. So I learned that a long time ago. Mm, they actually the car, but uh, we had to make a quick call to the driver and the salesperson to say, bring the car back. Your customer's in the cafe. I love that. It's almost like that Ted Lasso. You've got to be curious. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> How good is Ted Lasso? But um, yeah, I think the females, you've got to understand also the concept of the buyer. So a lot of things that we do is obviously with predictive customer service, we always put ourselves in the owner's or the buyer, potential buyer's shoes. And we know that females are so well prepared that if we have an appointment with a guest that is a female, we probably do a little bit more homework on everything that we know about the product uh, before she arrives oh. because they are on the money. <laughs> now, the blokes will stare at the kick the tires, go yeah. and look at three different cars. The female's not interested. She's going straight for what she wants. She knows what she wants. She knows her stuff. And we've got to be on guard and understand that as well. The decision makers and their influences, even when they're sitting beside the male. So we learned that a long time ago. And, and th there aren't tricks to that, but just paying somebody attention, whether it's the female or the male, even if you don't know which one it is, you'll work it out quickly. But when you don't know, it's an attention to both of them. And we even have the um, the, the, the uh, cappuccino for the children. So when we offer them a coffee, male and female, if they've got children there and you make, you know, froth out of the coffee yep. machine and sprinkle some chocolate flavours on it, little Johnny's not going to run around the shower and, you know, running around and throwing things and kicking cars. He'll actually sit there and have his cappuccino. So we, we sort of cater for everybody. If it's a family, we treat them differently. If it's male and female, it's different. And females, yes, they do need to be treated different, but not in the sense that, you know, we're going to go slower for no, you. It, it's the it, opposite. No, it was more about, you know, sometimes some of the ladies I know with my wife, she sometimes feel uncomfortable going into a car yard. Definitely. And, and you're, you're happy to bring the car out to them. Yeah, and that's you're why they're better prepared. With that's servicing, why. you're happy to go yeah. out and pick the car. Uh, the the Lexus Encore program, we can touch on that later, but that, that ownership solution is really what bonds the first sale to the second sale and, and has not been matched in Australia for 30 years. So maybe keep, keep going with that. How does that well, work? So let's say you've, you've, um, you're, a, you're a Lexus owner. There's a program called Encore. And you know Encore has sort of taken on different lives as it's evolved. But the biggest part of Encore is that when you service your Lexus, you don't bring it into service. So you call the dealership, we'll book it in at a time that suits you. We'll actually come out with a concierge driver with a Lexus that must be less than 12 months old. So in a lot of cases, you've got a 15-year-old Lexus, you want to get service, we drop off a new one. We drop it at your door at 6.30 in the morning if you've got to go to work. And if you want it returned at 3 o'clock in the office, we'll return it to the office. The car gets washed. There's a cap on what we charge for that service. You know what it is up front. And th that goes on for um, while your vehicle is in warranty, which is now five years for Lexus. Yep. But we go beyond that. In my business, so I don't care how long you've had the car, I'll pick it up, service it, and look after you anyway. Fantastic. It's one of my biggest bugbears, John. Yeah. Is to have to go and drive up somewhere for an hour, uh, wait around all day. Yeah. And uh, the last one I had, I was getting a service done, and, they, and I said, listen, I think there's something wrong with the back rear tyre. And they said, well, for an extra $250, we'll have a look at that for you. Yeah, <laughs> and I went, that's the last straw. I'm out of here. 
yeah, I'm going to well, tell see, everybody they're, about it. They're the, they're the probably two, three, five percenters in between ownership that make a difference. You know, we, we had a, um, I was telling you a couple of stories the other day, but times listening to customers and hearing them are two different things. I had a, uh, a quite an elderly female that bought a very expensive sports car from us and she came in and I said, how are you today? She came in for a, for a coffee. She didn't come in for anything else, just popped in for a coffee, right? And uh, how's life? And she says, well, I haven't had a good day. I've just lost a very expensive earring. Her ear was actually bleeding. She just lost it. I said, well, it's in your car. She said, no, nope, looked in the car. It's definitely not in the car. I said, it's in your car. She says, how do you know that? I said, it's, it's your ear that's your seatbelt side and you've scuffed it as you removed your seatbelt and it's fallen in your car. No, I've looked. I said, well, while you're having a coffee, let me get my guys to have a look in the, uh, in the workshop. We almost had to pull the seat apart, but we found the earring. Now, in most cases, people would say, oh, that's a, if she had told that story, if we weren't Lexus and our philosophy wasn't to look after them as guests and friends, mm. I would have said, oh, well, I hope you have a better afternoon than your morning yep. and move on. Yep. If you walk past that and accept that, there's a really good story there. Now, she is now telling everybody the earring story. Yes, perfect. Right? Yep. It's She's not just in- about the car. Well, that's like me. I'm telling everybody about my bad experience. She's out there telling what a fantastic experience she had. Exactly. And look, they'll tell 10 people the bad one and three people the good one, but that's life. I remember you telling me about Michael Clark, the cricketer, that he had a flat tyre and probably didn't know how to change it like myself. And you guys went out and sorted it out for him. And then the light bulb moment was, well, why don't we treat everybody like Michael Clark? Yeah, exactly. He rang and said, "Look, I've got a, uh, I'm going to call a tow truck. Who do I call? I've got a flat tire on this sports car. I don't, I don't have a spare tire because uh, most, you know, sports cars don't." And I said, "Where are you?" He told me, and we sent somebody out and changed the tire, and and we actually lent him a car. He had things to do that day, so we took a car out, we brought the tire back with us, and then replaced it. But um, yeah, just that does not take a lot. And then when you wonder why good salespeople get repeat business. It's because of those efforts that you make. I think that's a mindset you've got. And I think it's a common trait of successful people. They're always looking for that opportunity. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, though, Scott, I think we all know it intuitively. I think we all know that uh, the earring was probably in the car. Uh, Uh, We probably knew that we could help Michael. But the difference between the people that succeed and do really well, the ones that actually do something about it, I think I think most of us think it. Yeah. yeah. I think we all wanted to find that earring. Yep. But only one of us did. Yeah, I love that. And John, I think you know, part of your innate nature is that you love people, right? And you know, when when I go to visit you, it's a 2-hour walk around, mate. I've got to go and meet everyone <laughs> in your staff, hear their life story. Yeah. And I feel like a rock star myself. But yeah. I think, you know, that's got to be one of your key attributes or in, in running a successful business is that you take the time with the people. Whereas a lot of people know they should take the time with the people, but they don't. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks mate. We, well, one, we were expecting you. So it's part of this sizzle and the sausage. So yep. you're the sausage, but we try and create the sizzle when you come in, Yep. regardless of who you are. And, and we were expecting you. So we know who you are when you were there, but look at the end of the day, to me, customer service is all delivered by the other 259 people that work in my organization, it isn't just me. I can't do it on my own. So if I, if I don't instill that understanding and, and put those demands in of my people, then it's never going to be delivered. So how do I do that? I treat them 
my people and I ask my people to treat one another the way we want to treat our guests. So when people walk in there automatically without us saying a word, they can see the people walking around with smiles on their face. They're nodding to strangers. They're picking up pieces of paper and it's just a culture. Uh, it takes time to build and it wasn't the culture when we bought the business. Yep. But it certainly is the, the culture and, now. And how do, you, how do you work on that culture? Is that, a, is that a regimented program? Is it ad hoc? Is it on purpose? It's, yeah, it's induction. So we do have a process. And then we go back to evolution. So that evolution process, our playbook, is everybody in our organisation knows E to N, whether you're in accounts, okay. whether you're one of our suppliers, right. even our suppliers understand our culture. So we instill that. And if we ever train, it might be that, you know, we're getting a little bit slack on the letter T, the transaction. So we're going to train on T this week. Yep. Um, you know, the business results might show us that we're lacking in a particular area and we'll focus on that. But it's all always evolution. It's always, and we induct our staff and we train them regularly. Mm, fantastic. Now, enough about you. I'm sick of talking about you. Let's talk about me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's another hour. <laughs> you're a smart guy. Now, you're one, of, you're one of our lovely clients and you fit our ideal client in that you're busy. Yeah. Mm. You've, mm. you've got complexity in your affairs. Mm. Yeah. Becoming more uh, and more complex. Yeah. Um, you, you take advice, you're coachable, and you refer other good people like yourself to me. Yeah. Yep. But yep. My, my question to you, you know, I want to, is why do you need an advisor? What well, and why us? Yeah. Look, you know, my introduction to yourself came through John Murdo. McMurdo. Yep. McMurdo. And, you know, we met in a previous life and then uh, we engaged. There'd be, there'd be people out there thinking, I don't need a financial advisor. I'm, I'm a wealthy person. I look after my own affairs. I run a business and, you know, I, I do a pretty good job of that. So why would I need advice? Which is sort of my thinking. When, when John first raised it, I thought, do, do I need advice? It changed very quickly after we met because when we, when we sat down and you asked me what my goals were, obviously I had them but I never really sat down and articulated them. I didn't articulate them with Veronique, my wife, although we both would talk about what we want to do in, in the future, but then to map it out and actually visualize it and say, okay, when you ask me what it is specifically that I wanted to end my career and, you know, live a, a happy life in the afterworld, once, you know, our life or even during our life while it goes on, I couldn't articulate it. So to me, what you guys do, and everybody needs a specialist, right? So I'm happy to take on that advice, but you don't want to take on advice from people that don't know. So long story short, when you said to me, well, this is what's it look like in the end? What's it look like in between? I couldn't tell you the in between. I could tell you the now, and I could tell you the dream. What you did for me and what you guys do so well is you articulate the roadmap. And I don't have time to do that. So. <laughs> In my business, right, and, and you know that I'll call you or I'll call um, one of the advisors, Andrew, and say, hey, I'm thinking of this. Am I silly or am I smart? And then, you know, with the experience that your guys have, um, the answer comes out very, very easily because we discuss it. Um, but also, you know, the protection you put in place, you know, for insurances, wills, everything that I wouldn't even think of. I get hit by a bus tomorrow. I'm in big trouble before <laughs> I meet Fitzpatrick's, right? You're good now, though, and I'm happy to look after. So happy to look after Veronique for you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So to me, we don't stop and smell the roses, but it's so important that um, 
we, we, I think we realize these things when it's too late. So to me, I sleep better at night knowing that I've got somebody looking after my affairs in that regard while I look, do my thing. Hmm. I like that. Thank you for that. And so if Veronique was here, what would she say? Same? Yeah, same. Same in the sense that, um, you know, I think females are thinkers. They're, they're, I think they think about that sort of thing a lot more than we do. And, and I think she's probably as, I wouldn't say relieved, but happy about the fact that we are well organised. And you've got that nurturing part of the female. That, you know, we've got two sons, as you know. Yep. She knows that the boys are protected. Um, if something happens as well, we're keeping the whole family in mind. So, yeah, as the mother hen and the decision maker, as we spoke about earlier, yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, she feels that we're really in a really good place in terms of being organised, and she's not afraid of picking up the phone and asking the questions either. Mm, great. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we, we, we do honour that role. I call it sitting on the family board or the family wealth board. Yeah. Yeah, and I do want to thank you publicly for all your support. So let's go back to you again now. So mm. we're going to wrap up soon, John, but, you know, just a couple of things. You know, you're a successful guy. What, what are some of the habits you think you've put into your, and, and not just business, but family as well? You know, you're a, mm. what I call it a 360 degree, you know, your wheel of life looks pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And what are some of the things that you've done either in business or personally you think have led to a successful life for you? I uh, learned from my mistakes because I've made some along the way. I, I, I think they're the biggest lessons that we learn in life, mistakes. I can't say I've made any major mistakes, but I think I do learn from them. And I think sometimes we just got to you know, look back and think, well, that went wrong. Why? And ask ourselves maybe five times why it went wrong. Learn from that and not repeat the mistake. But to me, my philosophy, I try and keep things very, very simple. I, I focus on my business. My business are my people. So I just look at them. I'm, I'm, a, I'm known as the car guy, but I'm really the people guy. Mm, That's how I okay. see myself. Yep. I don't see myself as the car guy. And to me, I've got a routine. To me, if, um, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I'll put the first sock on on the left uh, foot and then I'll go to the right foot and then we go from there. But I think um, process is very important for me. And I learned a long time ago that there were things that should be done that we all know if we do them, it leads to success. And I have been astonished even to today about how many people just walk past those opportunities where I'm really disciplined with myself. And I say, well, if I walk past that, I'm really letting myself down, not anybody else. And it's a pain in the bum because it creates more work. But I nail it on the spot and I move on. I, I don't let things get to me when things go wrong. I, I, I say to, I've got a really long fuse. I'm known for somebody who has a really long fuse. Uh, and but I remind people that that long fuse is attached to a very big bomb. So if I <laughs> if, if I go off, I can go off. You Veronique can. will tell you I'll go off of the little things, and yep. I'm a hero when a big tsunami comes in. I'm your man, right? Yeah. I'll stand on the on the shore and just protect everybody. But yeah, to me, I don't take things too seriously. I don't think you can. I think you need to move on. You know, whatever was a nightmare today, in two weeks' time, you just look back at it and you think I got through that. Yep. And how many of those have we gotten through in life? So I just think keep a positive attitude and just move on. And I talk about five bombs in business. Uh, you may have heard me say that before. Every day I walk into work, I expect five bombs to go off. <laughs> yep. So when the proverbial hits the fan, I go, oh, there's the first one. Right. I was expecting it. Yep. Let's go and defuse it. Yep. And if I get home and I've had two bombs, I've had a great day. Um, yep. If I've never had five. 
Um, and if I have none, it's even a better day. So just to being ready for, for bad news, it doesn't mean it's the end of the world. It just means you need to deal with it. And what about, do you have an ideal week? Do you have your week set out? Is it structured in terms yeah, it of is. process? Yeah, we've got three different locations. So I focus on um, on two main locations, where, yep. which are my retail stores. And, and then I'll, I'll, you know, intermediately visit my third site, which is a very large parts warehouse pre-delivery uh, area in a different suburb as well. But Wednesdays are my Glebe days and every other day is uh, my Waterloo day. They're the two main locations. Yep. And I'll share my love between my two loves, which other loves, I should say, uh, Toyota and Lexus. So, yeah, I've got two hats that I wear. But um, routine is very important to the point where, you know, if I have too much time off, um, I don't have a time off routine. So I, I start to sort of get a little bit lost uh, <laughs> when I have too much time off. So one of the things I've been doing with my kids, uh, well, I did with the kids over Christmas, is I, I call it, I want, I want to know your word for the year. Mm. what's the one word you'd put on a rock and go, that's my word for the year. Now, just to give you a little bit of time to think, uh, yeah. last year, my word was curious. Mm. The year before, my word was joy. Why? Well, I wanted to be, you know, last year, curious for me, I was about to buy a, a property. Um, my wife wanted me to start doing yoga and Pilates. And I went, you know what? Normally, I would say no. Mm. I'm curious. Curious is yeah. my word for the year. So, you know, I went and had a crack at it. Happy to say, I mean, I'm not doing Pilates, but I'm really enjoying <laughs> yoga. Now, without the curious, I would never have done that. Yeah. I'm just good. interested in, you know, and, and for me this year, my words enrich. So I'm just, if you, is there a word there that you would put on a rock and go, that's my word for the year or a couple of different words? Yeah, I have given it some thought. We're having a real, uh, some very strong discussions around accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and where that comes from is that we've done a really good job, I think, in aligning our senior, well, my senior management team with my thinking. Yep. And we're trying now to look at what we find out that, look, my senior team is, if you include me, it's six people out of 260. Yep. That's not going to do the job. So when we look at um, the time that we've spent together, the time that I've, I've um, involved coaching for my general managers, um, we find that we're really well aligned, but when it goes down to the next level, mm-hmm. um, we probably haven't done a good enough job to get to that level. And they're the ones that are actually running the departments. Okay. So if you had accountability, what would that give you? Accountability gives us... Um, well, it, give it, it, it gives me the, the understanding that we're on track mm-hmm. and that good or bad, sometimes you've got to make a decision we all walk past the, you know, the piece of yep. paper or the, the person that probably shouldn't be with us, but for some okay. reason, they're yep. still here, mm-hmm. yep. right? right? So, it, look, it isn't just lovey-dovey. We run a business. We no, turn no, over no. You know, millions of dollars and, and involve, I, I think about not just the 260 people that work for me. I think about their families, their children, their schools, their mortgages. Yep. So it's a much wider not, web that we spin. It's not, it's not fair to them either. Yeah. So I think we've done a really good job of understanding what the message is as a business from top to toe. Yep. Now, this year, we want to hold ourselves accountable for making sure that we all actually do it. And what, what I'm interested in is if you had accountability, what's, what does it, what's the word that that would give you? Is that peace? Is it power? Is it control? Is it rhythm? Certainty? Rhythm? Rhythm. Rhythm. Okay, great. 
Yeah, it gives me rhythm. That's the word I would use because a, a business with a good rhythm um, yeah. is is flowing quite well. And, you know, like you get it. your stop and start. So I think if, if I had to pick a word, it would be rhythm. Perfect. I want to see that on your rock next time. <laughs> in your office. Now, let's just wrap up, John, just really quickly as a summary. Mm. The, the Lexus promise is around service and repeatable excellence. Yep. Exceeding expectations. You expect something when you come and see my car yard. Yep. I deliver something else. Treat people as guests as if they're in your own home. Yep. That's our oh, philosophy. Absolutely. Treat, love treat that. a customer as you would a guest in your own home. So let me give you an example. Somebody knocks on your door, they're coming over for dinner Saturday night. You don't leave them waiting outside for five minutes and letting them graze, do you? No, that's right. You go, you well, go straight to the door and you meet them and you greet them. Yep. So when you walk into Sydney City Toyota or Lexus, we'll greet you the minute you enter. Yep. Look yeah. for the one percenters or do the one percenters. The one percenters. Opportunity. Do the yeah, things that, that other people know they should do but haven't done. Exactly. And to me, that's if you want a silver bullet for success, it's, it's called hard work. And, and intuitively, we all know what to do. It's just that 5% that do it all the time. And then it's the other 95% that think of them as lucky or fortunate or arsy. And if you love look it. at their productive day, they're busier yep. than everybody else, but they're more successful. I love that, mate. And for you, it's all about the people at the end of that day. Mate, if my not, people aren't not, happy, I know my customers aren't happy. I, I gauge my customer satisfaction by my employee satisfaction. Yep. I love that. You're not the car guy. You're the people guy. I am. <laughs> now I we're like going to wrap it up there, Johnny Rocket. Where, you know, obviously, where do we find you? Well, you'll find us at sydneycitylexus.com.au or sydneycitytoyota.com.au. We're located, obviously, in Sydney, and we've got uh, two fantastic stores in, uh, in Glebe and, uh, and Waterloo. And I know you, you know, you do these speeches all around the place. You're in demand, as I like to say, <laughs> but you, you enjoy you're it. So, it you know, if you're an organisation out there and you want, you know, someone outside of your industry or inside your industry, uh, Johnny Rocket has a great two-hour session on customer service. Thanks, mate. All right. Thank you very much, John. Thanks for your time, Scott. Good to see you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the GAP podcast. We're all about empowering advisors, giving them additional tools for their toolkit to give great advice. Great advice leads to great business frameworks, which leads to great results for the community.